Hello, United Podcast Experience listeners. Welcome back to another episode of United Podcast Experience. Tan Lanley at Posh Notions. Bonnie, she has a new Unbreakable campaign. She's going to talk about her story, a little bit about dealing with rheumatoid arthritis, and much more. But you heard enough from me. Without further ado, let Bonnie introduce herself. Hey, guys. So I'm Bonnie, uh, a.k.a. Posh Notions across social for the time being. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, I'm a mom. I've got four kids. I am um, an entrepreneur, and currently I am working on probably my biggest project to date uh, called the Unbreakable Campaign. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that. So tell me a little bit about uh, who and what you were doing before your rheumatoid arthritis. Tell me a little bit before it happened, all that happened. Um, So I just passed the eight-year quote-unquote anniversary of when that first kind of all happened um that was back in so what 2011 um and I was a mom of two at that point um nine and eleven and um I was working as an accountant a staff accountant for a small CPA firm here in Pittsburgh um and really my focus at that point was the two of them and my job um, because I my oldest is on the autism spectrum and he required a lot of extra care, um, some interventions, and um, just really a lot of extra attention, honestly. So, I got you. No, definitely was an interesting... Uh... Interesting life in the sense that you had to balance all that. How how was it like balancing all that before uh, the, the uh, I don't want to say illness, but just the... No, it's a, I mean, it's an illness. And honestly, I think that um, what happened was I was trying to do too much by myself. Um, we had outside support so far as like agencies and people that would come in and whatnot um, that would work with us as a family. Um, but I was a newly single mom as in um my ex fiance and I had split about a year prior to that. And really what I the best way to describe what happened to me was a physical nervous breakdown because I really wasn't managing all that well uh for the year prior to that. Um it that's the best way I can describe it. It I contracted something called Guillain-Barre syndrome. It's a virus um based illness. And it was like having a stroke. I was paralyzed. I spent 16 days in the hospital. I mean, it was it was a mess. But it was my second chance at life and really a huge, um, I guess, light bulb saying, hey, we're, <laughs> you can't continue going the way you're going. Um, and I had to make a lot of immediate changes. Um, and then as a hard head, <laughs> it took me longer to kind of grasp that in some of the other areas of my life. Um, but yeah, I mean, before that, things were, I mean, were pretty good. At least I thought they were, but they quickly kind of just things escalated out of, I don't want to say out of my control, but I wasn't necessarily handling things in the healthiest way possible. Um, you know, putting my work ahead of my house, putting everything my kids needed over my own house. Because right. when you're a mom, that's kind of just what you think you're supposed to do, um, especially as a young mom. So 
yeah, it's kind of kind of what happened. <laughs> I got you. So definitely eight years is a, is a long time. Uh, you obviously went through some difficult times. Well, tell me what it's like just living with it now through the eight years and some things you learned, let's say in year one that you can apply to year eight, nine, as you continue to live with this illness. Um, really the biggest lessons probably came just within the past couple of years. Uh, when I started paying, instead of like, trying to ignore the illness or, um, you know, I spent a long time in the denial phase of grief. Um, mm-hmm. every time I thought I made, pulled myself out of that phase, I kind of got dragged right back into it, trying to go back to my old life. And that's probably one of the biggest lessons is you will never, ever go back to your old life. There is a reason what happens, happens. And for me, it was six years of trying to figure out, um, wanting to go back to my old life and then finally realizing that I wasn't meant to be in that old life or it never would have ended the way it did. Um, And on top of that is really just learning to listen to your body and your intuition and you know, we have, we're born with intuition and a lot of times it's either not cultivated or um, we're taught that as kids that what we're thinking or feeling isn't right because adults know better, et cetera, et cetera. And I got away from that and that I've really been working hard to kind of um, pay more attention to recently is what my body's telling me, what my intuition's telling me, are these things good or bad for me? Um, And not being, again, in denial about, oh, this little bit won't hurt, or if I push it too much today, I'll be fine tomorrow, because that's not the case. It's it's not. um, So those are the lessons, really, I'm taking moving forward. That and asking for help has been huge, because that's something I struggled with pretty much my whole life. but got even more difficult when I did get sick because I came home so different from when I went in the hospital. Um, I couldn't even do basic chores. I couldn't cook for my kids most nights. I was crawling up the steps to use the bathroom. So, like, my physical body had changed. And, again, I spent years and years probably asking for help the wrong way, getting a lot of kickback. Um, was raising two teenagers, so teenagers are teenagers. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was just, it was a huge lesson in how to ask for help and not trying to do everything for, by myself. Um, and also helping my kids be more independent. Honestly, there's a lot of things that they probably could have been doing at a younger age that I was still doing. Um, so now with my youngest two, I'm taking those lessons and applying it to, to them, which has been helpful. No, I understand completely in the sense you learn from what you started with. You you learn from the oldest, you learn from the mistakes you made, and then you apply it to the younger generation to hopefully get the uh, them on the right foot and, and get them developed for sure. Yeah, exactly. And there is almost like a generation gap, you could say, in between. I mean, there's a there's 13 years in between right. um, my oldest and my six-year-old, and there's 16 years between my oldest and my youngest. So <laughs> things have changed. Yeah, it's almost quite like a happy. bit. Yeah, quite a bit. And um, 
but I'm I'm fortunate because it's it's helped me do things like I should have been doing from the beginning. And how I kind of started with my younger two and then got away from for a while, um, just because society. To be honest with you, there's there's a lot. It sounds like a cop out, but that with social media and everything not around when they were little, there wasn't really all these extra people to bounce ideas off of and hear advice from and. I kind of got sucked into that um, right around the time probably my my six year old was born. Um, that was a nightmare having a baby after <laughs> how many years um, with all of this new knowledge you would think would make things easier, but it really can go the complete opposite direction. But um, luckily, I caught myself fairly early before I had the next one. So that's great. It's great that you took those experiences and then ran with it in a good way and helps develop yourself too as a grow as a person keep growing for sure right yeah so so transitioning a little bit into you said you uh were in entrepreneurship tell me a little bit about entrepreneurship and uh what got you really going with that i know you uh one time said that something with gary v you met gary v or you did something with him to really get your uh i guess I get your brand, branding gear yeah yeah i mean i I have always had, and I know lots of people who are entrepreneurs say this, but I've always had somewhat of an entrepreneurial streak. Um, But it wasn't like it was something I was necessarily born with or loving or whatnot. It was more out of necessity. Um, We kind of grew up poor. I mean, there was, my parents had, had two sisters, so there was three of us. My dad worked for a local university. Um, and but he never went to college, so he got paid the max they could give him without a degree, um, which wasn't very much <laughs> by today's standards. And so I was always looking for ways to earn money to buy things that I wanted, right. um, starting at a pretty young age. So that kind of transferred as I got older. I was always trying to sell Avon or do, you know, Pampered Chef or whatever, and then I went back to school and got my accounting degree when my oldest two were um, still pretty young. They weren't even school age yet. And um, went that direction for a while because it seemed I was always looking for that security, that sense of security, I guess you could say. Because now I look back and it really was more of a false sense of security for me anyway. Um, so once I came home from the hospital, I couldn't work. Um, I, I tried to go back to work, I think the next day and it just wasn't, I wasn't able to, um, my brain, I had some brain damage from what happened and I just couldn't, didn't have the capacity anymore to really do what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking for ways to earn money. I mean, I had a mortgage to pay. I had kids to feed, you know, all of these, you know, expenses and whatnot. And so fast forward, I mean, I tried I tried eBay reselling before it was the cool thing to do. Um, I went back to selling Pampered Chef for a little while, and, and I just I really didn't like it. And I think you and I met sometime around when I met Gary Vee, which was um, February 2018. And I sort of fell into that whole, that whole sphere, honestly. I was watching a YouTube video, and it on autoplay and I came across his content and then all of a sudden I was just like hooked 
um, because everything I'd kind of been looking for, he was saying, um, you know, motivational and tactical advice, all of these different things. And I went really like hardcore into Gary Vee's content there for a while. Um, took a chance and drove out to New Jersey on a whim. Um, literally decided like Thursday and we left Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, met him and it was, I was literally on top of the world for a while. I uh, made a t-shirt um, to go meet him for him to sign. And it became a big deal. I was like on his Instagram stories and all these other things. And it was super exciting for me, but it was really just the beginning of um, getting into kind of that ecosystem. Uh, And it was a great experience, but it almost had like a detrimental effect, which sounds crazy because Gary Vee is an awesome dude, right? I I had been working on my. custom apparel business for about a year and a half at that point and kind of kept getting burnt out and I think this is about the time you and I met which is I was trying to switch gears and go in a different direction and um, I went so hardcore into his content that I was burning myself out physically because at that point he was preaching less of the positivity and kindness and self-awareness that he was the hustle mentality and I wasn't taking into account and this goes back to that denial phase that I keep revisiting I wasn't taking into account the fact that this man was predominantly healthy um you know and had a team and I was trying to do things that I just could not do on my own and it, it it took a while to kind of realize like hey he was brought into my life for a reason, but that wasn't quite the reason. It was around that few months later when he kind of started with the self-awareness, um, you know, mode, and that made a lot of sense to me. I had already read all five of his books at that point, um, and it, it was kind of like a light bulb moment where it was like, I can't follow in the footsteps of all of these famous entrepreneurs because physically I can't keep up at this point. But what I can do is take the nuggets from each one of them and apply them to my own life. And that's when I started with the crushing it my way hashtag was because I was taking the best parts of what each of these different people were saying and kind of applying it to what I wanted to do, who I aspired to be. And that was really the beginning of kind of this figuring out what I really want to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean. Him and Evan Carmichael, David Meltzer, Mel Robbins, they all are entrepreneurs. They all do something different, and they all have different ways of doing it. They have a lot of the same um, ideas about just being a good person in general, honestly. Um, But it wasn't kind of until I started to expose myself to different um, people in that space when I finally kind of realized that, okay, all of these people have become successful and they've all taken different roads to get there. And that means that I can take my own road as well. So, yeah, that's kind of still in the entrepreneur space. I'm still making T-shirts. I took a break for the summer um, so that I could focus on my house, my kids, and the campaign. Um 
and kind of now leaning more into a towards a speaking career, writing a book, um, becoming a thought leader, because there aren't too many people who have gone through what I'm going through and what I went through to get to where I am now and kind of where I want to go. And I think that, honestly, the world could use more people like me because I have I have a – how do I explain this? A different, I have a completely different roadmap because of my my illnesses, you know, and I don't, I feel like where I was several months ago, a year ago, feeling like I couldn't do it at all because I wasn't like these other people, and I've now finally realized that I just have to do it differently and a little more slowly, I think that that would be helpful to somebody else that is up against the same kind of um, obstacles that I am. So. No, hundred percent. You make a you make a great point in the sense that everyone has their own roadmap, everyone has their own story, and like you said, you know you know yourself, you know your body, you know your mind. It can't keep up with these type of people, but the one thing you do, you can take those little nuggets, as you said, and apply them, and try to build your own brand and build your own thing, which you're doing right now with the campaign, which is uh, which is great because it's just a little pieces of everyone else's things, but having your unique story gets more people connected and aware of what's going on, not just rheumatoid arthritis, but it opens up other people to be vulnerable too. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, that was, that's a perfect segue. We'll talk about, I guess, the campaign next and what that's about, what was really the motivation behind it. Um. So the campaign actually started as an apparel project um, back in – February, January, February. I met Evan Carmichael in January here in Pittsburgh. Um, And then I had some different meetings and phone calls with people. And I was, again, at a point where I was sort of kind of getting burnt out with the T-shirt thing because it's not really scalable the way I do it, um, making everything by hand. Um, So I kept running into roadblocks and trying to figure out different ways to do that. And I came – it was coming out of – or actually in the midst of taking um, Humira, which is a biologic drug. Um, And it had basically the opposite effect that it was supposed to on my system. And I was sick probably four and a half out of the six months I was on it. Um, So Unbreakable was born out of the fact that I wanted to express um, the strength a person who's going through these things really has. But I didn't want to go down the custom apparel road again because that doesn't work for me. And it just morphed really, really quickly, honestly. Uh, I decided that after seeing Evan and talking to some of his team and some different people and and where I was trying to go with this project that uh, I really wanted to, and I know this word gets thrown around a lot, but I wanted to have an impact. And I wasn't doing that with what I my my business and the capacity that I wanted to and it sort of because I was telling other people my story I started realizing that uh, other people wanted to share with me their stories and that's kind of how it just like changed It, it was almost instantly where it was like there's other people that feel the same way who could be, you know, empowered or who want to share their stories. How can we do something with this? 
that's going to have a big impact. Um, so that's when I started talking to people and collecting their stories and kind of figuring out what I really wanted the campaign to be. Um, it's changed a couple of times again. <laughs> but right. basically, I'm collecting stories of people who have overcome serious adversity, trauma, um, who are fighting their way through chronic illness um, in a positive light. And the focus is on the healing. Um, that's the real important part is that I was looking for people online who were going through things that I was or that I am. And most of what I was finding was people who were so focused on their illnesses or the trauma that they had gone through that that really had become their identity. And that's a really dangerous place to be. Um, and that's something that I discovered going to the Humera was that the more I talked about how sick I was and how I was trying to be positive for the future, the sicker I got. Um, and I, I wasn't get, able to get over that. Yeah. And it dawned on me that it was because I was so focused. And sharing stories is very important, but there was so much sharing of the negative and how badly things are affecting people that they're forgetting about the part where they're in a healing process. And when you shift your focus to the healing process, I mean, whether you believe in the law of attraction or not, it, it's a psychological thing as well. When you're looking for healing, you're going to find more healing. When you're looking and dwelling on the sickness part, you're just going to continue to find more sickness. And that's the part that really was like the last piece of the puzzle, was reaching out to people who had overcome all of these different things so that we could reach back and help all of the people who were currently struggling in that state of helplessness and hopelessness and say, here, this, even though everybody's roadmap is differently, here is the way we overcame and hopefully people can pick apart the different pieces, kind of like I've done with all of these, you know, more famous entrepreneurs and build themselves a roadmap out of those. It's, it's what I'm aiming to do. And the overall arching topic, and I don't talk about this too much because you have to be careful on social media using some of these words. Right. Um, but it's, I am, my, the big goal here is honestly suicide prevention because the, so I read somewhere and I've heard in a couple of places that the leading cause of death for people under 50 is suicide. Um, and when you look at what a good chunk of these people have in common, besides the fact that they're grossly unhappy, um, as a lot of them have been through trauma that they don't know how to deal with. A lot of them have are dealing with chronic pain that, that is either undertreated or completely untreated. Um, and they really just feel like they don't know who to talk to because the people that they're talking to either dismiss them or have don't understand what they're going through. So I, I'm trying to provide a place kind of change that um, and hopefully lower some of those statistics. I think that's a great, that's a great campaign, right? I know that S word always gets thrown around, but I think to take those leaps and bounds to take that chance, you have to take the risk. And the risk of getting people's story, sure, you may not get it right away, but when you do it, it starts striking something and it starts connecting with people because everyone goes through something, but when you go through something like chronic illness or mental health or deep, deep, dark depression. You need an open, safe haven to talk about it for sure. 
Right, and that's that's the thing. The trick, the part that's tricky is the fact that these social media platforms, and, and I understand why they've done it. I, I understand why there's words that you can't use anymore. I got shadow banned six days before I launched the campaign oh, wow. from one of my own posts. Oh, yeah, for two whole weeks. Um, I reposted one of my own posts basically talking about the beginning of when I got sick and used the word um, pills in my description. Now, keep in mind, I had already posted this once back in October. But I reposted it, and Instagram deleted it shadow banned me. I appealed it. They said it was okay, but didn't lift a shadow ban for two weeks. Um, so it's really hard. Not, these platforms are all free, and I know we have to follow their rules, and I'm not complaining about any of that. But it does put an interesting twist and some extra challenges um, because all of the platforms are doing that. YouTube is doing that. Facebook and Instagram are the same company. Um, I'm not sure I know Twitter has different rules, I'm not sure, but when you're trying to spread a message on these social media platforms, you have to just be really careful about um, not, you don't want to censor people's stories, but at the same time, you don't want to have your entire campaign shut down because your social media access is restricted. So that's kind of the current challenge I'm dealing with right now, is how do you kind of balance the two of those? Um, without <laughs> no, I basically, think, I, you know what I mean? No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, you're, you're trying to find a balance without pushing the boundaries in a sense to the point where you might get in trouble. Uh, so, how as far as like your progress from where you start, are you still in you're still in the development phase, or are you starting to get some stories? What's the what's the reception been like from the audience when they start sharing their stories or or people you know? Um, it's been pretty good. Um, so I was gaining momentum and I had collected some stories. I was setting up um some a lot of the behind the scenes stuff over the summer and then I had planned to do a full launch, um, which in my mind was basically starting currently I'm just directing people to or asking people I should say, um, for their stories. Um, and the second part of that was going to be where I started kind of directing people to the YouTube channel to see people's stories. I wanted to do that August 24th. It didn't happen because at the very end of July, I got I had a flare, which is basically just a, a sudden increase in symptoms um, that kind of knocked me down. And I always have a base minimum, which is myself and my kids to take care of. So everything else kind of gets put on hold when that happens depending on the severity. And so things kind of slowed down, but now that I'm kind of coming out of that flare, uh, I'm picking up where I left off and I'm going to continue. And as far as I'm concerned, like I was upset at first that I kind of, but to me it was like a sign from the universe that you're going too fast, you need to slow down, you're not doing all the things you said you were going to do, which is take care of yourself on top of that list. Um so it was like a smack in the face. Is it? Hey, remember? <laughs> and at the same time, it, this isn't a short-term six-month project. This is something I'm going to be continuously expanding. I have a I don't like to call it a marketing plan because I'm not trying to make a profit on this, but it's a marketing plan nonetheless, even as a nonprofit, um, to get the word out there and to have as much impact as we can together. Um, and once I get into those stages. I'll be talking about them more 
Um, I don't want to jump the gun quite yet. So yeah, I've had there. There are I think five videos on my YouTube channel from other people currently. Um, I'm going to start pushing them through IDTV as well. And is it? This isn't about growing a YouTube channel. It's about getting the message out to as many people as I can. So whatever platform I need to do that on is where I'm going to be at. Um, so yeah, I mean we're we're in the midst of it's it's always developing because I'm I'm talking to different people who have gone before me and done things that are similar, um, and just getting advice on how to do things in a more um, efficient manner, basically. Um, and I've gotten a lot of good feedback for that. The reception has been great so far, um, considering I was starting from scratch, um, you know, zero subscriber channel, and um, going a completely different direction with my social media than I had been doing prior to that. Uh, so, yeah, I would say it's going... It's going well, and I'm grateful for everybody that's pitched in so far, for sure. Did I lose you? Oh, there we go. My bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, I think – sorry about that. I lost the whole – That's okay. Yeah, what were you saying? My my fault. Oh, okay, here we go. Yeah, so yeah, the connection's good now. Um yeah, no, I think it's a great that you, you still have that warm reception, you're still finding the reception in the goals, you're still looking for ways to innovate with the stories. Uh you mentioned I guess video. I know you, I know you posted some videos. What is some uh what is some video content you do and learned over the past year to help you grow and, and uh develop? What is the video content? I'm sorry, I missed yeah, that. Like when, like being more open, really showing your face, getting yourself out there, expressing yourself on video. Uh, how how has that changed you and made you a more creative person and more open to your audience? Oh boy. Um. So getting on video for the first time is can be super scary. <laughs> um, yeah. and even the second, third, and fifteenth time. Um, because you're never 100% sure how your message is going to be received, but you really have to keep the bigger goal in mind, which is, for me, that very first video I did talking about my founding story, which is basically how I came to, you know, do the project, my background and whatnot. Um, it took me six or seven weeks and working with a coach to make that less than 10-minute video. And, well. I got stuck in, honestly, like imposter syndrome because I was already recruiting people at this point and asking them to share their stories, and I couldn't even do mine. Mm. And it wasn't, and then I kind of, I slowed down at that point because I'm like, okay, I felt like a hypocrite, like a complete hypocrite. I'm like, I, now I could talk to you, I could get on a phone, I could do an interview and tell my story, no problem, but for whatever reason, sitting down in front of that camera for me was like this mindset thing like I couldn't I couldn't do it I mean I have an entire five minutes I think of outtakes from the first few times that I was trying I couldn't even get past my intro I mean it, it's hilarious now but it was extremely frustrating when I was going through it but it gave me a new appreciation for what I was asking people to do 
Um, and once I kind of got mine done, and it, it's still not perfect. I'm still going to end up redoing it and splitting it into pieces and making shorter videos at some point. Um, but it was like this whole weight was lifted because I'm like, okay, I'm no longer a hypocrite. I got mine done. And now when people ask me what I want them to do, I can be more specific about it. Uh, as far as how it's changed me as a person, um, I'm not as worried about uh, what other people think of me and my story because it seemed like when I kind of got into it, uh, I actually I got way more support, positive support than I thought I was going to. So like everything that I was afraid of about getting on video uh, disappeared for the most part. Um, it didn't make the the recording necessarily any easier right off the bat. But it made the being transparent and vulnerable part much easier because I knew people, like when I gave myself permission to do it and then did it, it was like giving other people permission. And a lot of people feel like they need, including myself, need that permission from somebody else to say, it's okay, tell your story, there's people here that, that need to hear it. And I think that's a huge thing that holds a lot of people back is they're like, who's going to want to hear this? Nobody's going to care. People are going to laugh at me. You know, I've never shared this before. What yeah. are people going to think? I mean, it's this whole illusion that we have. And, and this is going to sound kind of counter counterintuitive. Most people really don't give a crap. <laughs> like, not in the way we think they do. Like, the things that we pick apart about ourselves, other people don't even notice. The important part, your message, your story, is the thing that people are going to connect with. Not whether or not your hair is perfect. Not whether or not you say the wrong word sometimes. Not the fact that, you, you know, as a mom, I might be wearing the same shirt I was wearing two days ago. You know what I mean? Like, right. all of those things, those superficial things that we worry about, people don't care about. And the people that do care, and then, you know, like, I haven't run into any of this yet. Not too much of it anyways people like trolls you know it's it's come to a point for me where i have realized that those people have a miserable existence like they're so miserable with their own lives that they are taking the time to i mean it's like a bully they, they pick on other people because they're unhappy with themselves you know and i now have a new appreciation for these people and really kind of just think about the fact that I wish them the best. I wish them well. Like, I'm sorry that you feel so terrible about the way your life is headed that you feel the need to be nasty to other people. I've never said that to anyone, Love but that's it. what I keep in the back of my mind now. Uh, and it's really made me, as far as how it's changed me, it's made me a lot more introspective where I'm looking inside myself for answers versus asking 10 different people their opinion about something. Um, I found for myself, especially, that when I'm asking for so many people's opinions on, you know, this video or that thought or something I wrote, it's because um, I'm not it's – like it's a stall tactic. It's a stall tactic. It's procrastination because you're so afraid to kind of put yourself out there. Um, 
so that's kind of how I reel myself back in. Like I, I was, I've been making daily videos. Um, I made one the other night, and I didn't post it immediately. That's one way I've gotten past some of that. Um, like when I make a video, I don't allow myself to hold on to the video unless it's something that I want to go scheduled. Because the longer I hold on to it, the more I start questioning whether or not I should post it. So for me, taking immediate action and just posting it unedited, raw, whatever it is that I was feeling, those videos have gotten more positive response than the ones I sat down and tried to actually edit. So being authentic, yeah. More yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's I was, and that's a, this another like procrastination scare tactic is. Okay, I have to figure out how to edit. I have to learn how to do this. I have to learn. And I've done that, all of those things myself. Um, so my biggest piece of advice to people is, like, literally make the video and hit upload. Like, don't even watch it back. <laughs> yeah. Because don't give yourself a chance to second guess, to to pick out mistakes. Um because for most people, we are our harshest critics, and we're going to pick out all the things that were wrong or could have been better. And, and you know, like, I'm not Casey Neistat. Like, I'm not trying to make these cinematic, you know, <laughs> fancy. Editing is not what I want to do for, for for a living, you know. And I just got caught up in that recently again. I'm like, oh, I need to download editing software because I want to make a trailer and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wait a minute. I like, hold the phone here. I don't need to learn how to do anything fancy editing-wise because that's not where I want my career to go. I want my message to speak for itself, you know, not all of these cool editing things that I could learn how to do in the next four months. <laughs> so, right. It's no, just I... a lot of self-awareness is, is honestly what, what making video has taught me is, is just listening to my listening to myself but at the same time not giving myself a chance to criticize myself, which sounds kind of funny but it's the truth right you have you have the self-awareness to be you and yet you also have the the limits right you know your limits you know your boundaries you know your meaning that everything's gray and all but is that the real message or the real message is helping inspiring people and making sure you put your voice out there no matter if it's a bad day or a good day you know i think it's good to share both days right because everyone Online things, well, let's just share the positive. But in reality, most of it isn't, you know, the positive. Most of it is hustle, work, grind, uh, the, the behind-the-scenes stuff, the 2 o'clock a.m.s you wake up and you got to do this over and over again. So it's right. Important. Yeah, I think I think that's that's what being authentic is and being true and genuine, and people can vibe with that more than, well, this is a really nice edited video. Let me watch that. It just seems like people respect raw and real nowadays, which is a good transition, I think. Yeah, I think I think it's it's great. I mean, I think cinematic things are, are amazing. We all love movies, different kinds of movies and whatnot. Um, and and if you're a one man show and that's what you're doing is just making videos and and where you have a team and you can do that, that that's all fine and good. The the thing that I just know about myself and lots of other people is the more we per, you know focus on trying to get it perfect, some of the message is lost, and and then. Right. A lot of the message is lost when you're not posting anything because you're worried about making it perfect. And and the flip side of that, the more you practice being that raw, it sounds funny, practice being, you know, authentic, but the more you practice on video of just pressing record, saying what you have to say and posting it, the better you're going to get at delivering your message. You're not going to have the need for fancy editing. 
I mean, if it's something you want to add down the road, cool. I'm sure I will add it in at some point. There's things I want to do with the videos, but it's not my main focus. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think being like like you said, having that intuition, as you say at the top of the show, having the intuition to know what you want to do with being raw and real, and not going to the point of well, let me let me just focus on one thing, not getting caught in the moment, and practice authenticity no matter what authenticity means to you, that's what really will shine at the end of the day rather than some two-minute fancy editing thing that, you know, got you the extra 10 likes. It's not about the likes and the comments and the engagement. It's about just getting it out there, being satisfied with what you got, and keep pursuing the next thing and helping the next person. It's the love of the game, right? Right, and I think a good point about, I mean, talking about likes and engagement and whatnot, I'm finding, too, that... um, and it really makes sense the more I think about it, is that a lot of the people who have gone through some of the things that I've gone through, a lot of it I haven't even shared yet because I'm not, something I'm not ready to, there's just a lot to get through. But for people, so somebody's been through some kind of horrific trauma, they don't always necessarily want people to know about it right away. So they're not going to comment on my videos. They're not going to, you know, even like, they don't even want you to know that they were there until they've gotten to a point where they're comfortable enough to accept the fact that this is something they've gone through, but it's not what makes them who they are. So I noticed that my engagement so far as like likes and comments is lower on certain things, but then I'll have people messaging me and say, I just want to tell you, I think it's really cool what you're doing, or, you know, I want to talk to you about my story, but I'm nervous about blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I can, I can relate to that which gives me um, the one-on-one with some of these people, the chance to kind of help them through things that they might not have shared otherwise because they're too afraid to hit the like button or to make a public comment. You know, it's scary. I mean, a lot of the stuff that people have dealt with, it's super scary to even, you know, utter the words first, you know, in the beginning stages of that. So engagement, of course, everybody wants engagement. It kind of gives you an idea of if you're going the right direction or not. But I look for engagement a little bit differently or look at engagement a little bit differently than the numbers on my Instagram page or, you know, my Twitter account or even my YouTube. Um, Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the real goal is to help people. And if people are coming to you and asking you for advice or giving you their two cents privately, I think that's worth more than somebody hitting the, the heart button on your Instagram video. No, I think it's a great point. I think it's the impact you make at the end of the day, uh, the impact you make at the end of the night, rather than just saying like or comment. That's the real impact. If a person DMs you and says, hey, thank you, because without you taking the 30 seconds to just reach out to me, that quick, I would have never, uh, I would never had never had a chance to share my story. That's the real impact, rather than just a, a number for sure. Right. Um, so I, it's hard to believe, but we're getting close to the end. Uh, yeah, I know. I talk. <laughs> good though. Um, I think we'll we'll definitely have you come back. But um, so just looking at this uh, conversation, looking way back, looking forward to the future. What are some things you can, you know, expand it however you feel? What are you, some things you hope to accomplish, not only with the campaign, but just exploring yourself and exploring 
your story a little bit more with rheumatoid arthritis to other people in the next couple of years and the rest of the year? Um, so for the rest of the year, my focus is primarily on getting the campaign launched to a point where I can, like I said, use it as a resource or a reference for other people that are looking for ways to kind of move into the healing process. Um, I'm working over the next year, I'm hoping to, I started working on a book um, that basically tells my story up into the point of the campaign. And then once I get more into the book, I'm sure it'll share about, about the campaign um, and the book. Um, and really, I'm just practicing speaking because that's where I feel like um, social media is fantastic, but I want to expand that because I, I aim to kind of speak to like universities, hospitals, um, caregivers, healthcare workers, uh, to help them understand from a patient perspective what these people are going through and then some practical things they can do to help people because I feel like a lot of people don't reach out because the people they're trying to reach out to don't have any idea what they're going through or they'll tell them, oh, you know, everything heals with time or, you know, you'll feel better or it could be worse. And those are honestly all the worst possible things you could say to somebody who is going through something like that. Um, I don't have a set game plan quite yet, to be honest with you. I'm, like I said, I'm working on a um, a marketing plan, which is... Like I said, I don't like calling it a marketing plan, but that's really what it is. Uh, but just kind of like a roadmap to how I'm going to reach the number of people that I want to reach so that I have measurable goals. Um, and that's something we can talk about, you know, next time because I have it broken down pretty well. But just donation programs and, you know, getting into schools and helping, you know, just helping, honestly, as many people. But the, on the same hand, teaching other people how to do this as well because I know I can't reach the number of people that I want to, like, all by myself. Like, I've set some pretty lofty, impossible goals, but that's because I plan to bring other people in as I can and as I need to to kind of spread the same message. It's a great point. It's a great point that you just take it day by day. You'll find it out and you'll find that the more you do this, the more you stay consistent. That's what will really get you the extra mile. That will get you the extra uh, story. That will get you the extra day, extra energy when those days when you don't want to, right? Just living with an illness or any type of, you know, disease, it takes a lot out of you. But I have to applaud your body for you. And and I guess your whole audience, even though it's still in the works and still becoming a, a startup in a sense, uh, as, as we get more information regarding it, definitely we'll share all this information on the UP and, and help you out as any way possible for sure. Yeah, that would be great. Like I said, my main goal right now is to collect as many of these video stories as I possibly can. Um, I started getting hung up on some of the technical details. That was my fault. I was trying to simplify some things that maybe I didn't need to quite be simplified yet um, and kind of moved away. From, I mean, I can explain to you off the podcast. It's it's right. a little more technical and um shouldn't take more than two minutes, but to explain. But, yeah, that's what I'm really trying to do right now is, is try to reach as many people as I can to, 
to submit their stories, uh, and I'm coming up with other ways that people can submit stories as well because I know a lot of people won't share if video is the only option. And I don't want to limit, I want to help challenge people, but at the same time, I don't want to completely exclude people who don't, for safety reasons, personal reasons, whatever the case may be, don't feel comfortable getting on, you know, doing a video. So, yeah, I could use all the help I could get spreading the message. The other thing I wanted to say, say real quick was that I'm actually working on doing a name change for my social media accounts. Um, I've been Posh Notions for the past couple of years now, and it doesn't quite fit with the direction that I'm going. Um, right. I did some quote-unquote market research and had some people put in their two cents about the fact that my name doesn't represent where I'm going now. It's, it, I mean, it really, it's the, the name of the business that I've been growing for the past few years. It's, it's this t-shirt business. Um, and so with New Direction, it's going to come a new name. So just wanted to give you the heads up. For, for right now, it's still Posh Notions Across Social. And once I do make the name change, I'll be tagging everything so that people can still find me. Right. Um, you know, through the, if they hear this interview or anywhere else, and they go to look me up, there will still be some clue of where they can find me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, yeah. when the time it gets published, we'll definitely make any name changes. Uh, thank you, Bonnie, for taking, you know, the 30 minutes, 40 minutes out of your day for sharing your empowering story. And everyone out there who's always been supportive of this show, appreciate you guys always taking your time. And uh, have a go, Bonnie. Thanks again. It's been really impactful. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today on the United Podcast Experience. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe so that way you can stay up to date with all of our guests. Check the description for all the links pertaining to everything discussed today. And if you want to be promoted or know somebody who should be, reach out to us at the United Promotion on Instagram. Be sure to follow us there as well to stay up to date with all of our guests.